The first lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. I invite you now to listen for the word of the Lord. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have come to the last week of our summer sermon series on the prophets, perhaps for good reason. And we will wrap it up with a reading from the prophet Ezekiel, who with Isaiah and Jeremiah comprises the three major prophets in the Old Testament. And today's sermon is offered with a special prayer for anyone who might be struggling with life or with faith today in ministry. You're sort of mindful of the ebbs and flows of the struggles in the congregation's life, and it's been my sense that many of you have been struggling with various things lately, so this sermon is offered with a special prayer for you. Listen now for the word of the Lord as it comes from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them, and there were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and as I prophesied suddenly there was a noise, a rattling 
and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil, then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a, what a text. What a text. The hand of the Lord brings Ezekiel out into the wilderness to a weary and desolate valley full of dry bones. A silent, eerie, isolated place. And though the bones once belonged to the living, they do not rest in peace. They've not been laid to rest. They've not been buried. They lie exposed, lacking closure. God led me all around the valley, Ezekiel reports, and there were very many bones, and they were very dry. Ezekiel sees the texture of the bones. He senses their overwhelming quantity. He seems alarmed at the despair before him, which makes the hair on the back of his neck stand up. Valleys are harsh places to begin with, whether full of bones or not. Valleys in spiritual language are the murky opposites of peaks. Valleys represent the lowest points in life where vitality seems to seep away and where shadows obscure any sort of clarity. If peaks are moments of triumph or joy or insight, well, then valleys are moments of failure or despair or uncertainty. And when we find ourselves in life's valleys, that which is life-giving can be difficult to detect. Like dusty sand in a dry riverbed, we feel burned out or isolated or forgotten. We lack vibrancy or passion or hope. We feel weighed down by grief or resentment or fear. From dust were ye made, and to dust ye shall return, the scripture says. But it doesn't take the final beating of our heart for parts of us to return to dust. Parts of us blossom and flourish 
and then wither and perish. And at certain points in our lives, it seems that a lot more withering is happening within us than blossoming. And in those moments, as we scan the dry valley of our hearts and see nothing but bones, all might seem lost. So it was for Ezekiel, a prophet who once held a high position in the Jerusalem temple, but who had been sent into exile in Babylon with the very first wave of prisoners from Judah. Ezekiel had watched from a distance as more and more exiles arrived from Jerusalem, and he ultimately heard the news of the destruction of the city, and with it the temple in which he once served. Nevertheless, Ezekiel has been laboring to show people that God was still with them, even in this distant land. Ezekiel wanted people to know that God was on the move with them, that God is mobile and goes with us wherever we go, even into exile, even into the wilderness, even into the valley. Ezekiel's great faith had been on full display for a long time, holding up these despairing exiles. But bad news kept coming. And so finally, in chapter 37, Ezekiel is whisked away into a valley of dry bones to encounter the God for whom he speaks, an encounter that the prophet had come to desperately need. Ezekiel seems weary to me in today's passage. I don't know about you, but I get the sense from the beginning of his conversation with God that he's weary. After God's Spirit has given him a tour of the valley, God asks Ezekiel a simple leading question, mortal, can these bones live? And just in case Ezekiel needs to be reminded of his mortality while standing in a valley of dry bones, God addresses him repeatedly as such, mortal, can these bones live? And I imagine a fatigued Ezekiel who feels the way that we do sometimes when we scan the dry valleys of our hearts and shake our heads in disbelief at the bones we see there, the lifelessness and the listlessness that can sometimes settle too comfortably into our spirits. And for someone in that state of being, God's question can be a little bit difficult, I would think. Mortal, can these bones live? It's as if God is asking Ezekiel for an affirmation of faith in a moment of despair. As if God is looking for a, yes, Lord, I believe that these bones can live. After all, that would be the faithful answer, right? Always upbeat, always convicted, always joyous. That's what a true believer looks like, doesn't it? That's what strong faith sounds like, isn't it? Well, that's the sort of upbeat faith we sometimes think we need to maintain, even when things are hard and we feel at the end of ourselves. We feel as if we need to keep acting like there's lots of life and beauty and joy, even in the valley. After all, we don't want to burden people with our dejection and our desolation, nor do we want it to seem like we don't have strong faith in God. But Ezekiel isn't 
so happy-go-lucky in this passage. You see, he's been trying to be a shining example of faith for these exiles. He's been saying all the right things with conviction, but now the valley has come to seem all too real. God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I imagine the prophet kind of rolling his eyes and setting his chin on his fist before muttering an almost sarcastic response. Oh, Lord God, you know, you know. It's as if Ezekiel doesn't quite want to look God in the eye on this one. Doesn't want to give God the answer that God wants to hear. On the one hand, Ezekiel doesn't want to say, no, God, they can't live, because surely he knows somewhere deep within him that God has the power to save. God has the power to bring new life. But on the other hand, Ezekiel doesn't want to say, yes, God, with you all things are possible, because that wouldn't reflect the honest state of his barren, dry spirit. So Ezekiel says, in effect, You tell me, God. After all, you're the Lord. You see, Ezekiel doesn't try to fake the state of his faith. He's struggling. He's anguishing. And yet his response to God exhibits the remarkable resilience of his faith, even under difficult circumstances. Ezekiel doesn't try to sugarcoat his faith, but neither does he abandon it in the slightest. Instead, when God asks him a question, he gives the best answer he has in that moment. Oh, Lord God, you know. My friends, that's a prayer. That's an honest plea born from a place of genuine exhaustion, from striving to see signs of life in the midst of of a valley of dry bones. It's not exactly a hymn of praise, but neither is it a denial of faith. Ezekiel says, God, you're the only one who knows what's going on here. I can't do anything about this. These bones belong to you. They're your bones. You're the one who knows if they can live. The hardest physical thing I've ever done was to climb a volcano. And a friend who I climbed it with and I hired a local guide before we began our journey because as you approach the summit, the trail becomes difficult to follow and the clouds around you form a kind of fog. So we needed someone who knew the way. And as we began our journey up the volcano, we were upbeat and excited chatting with our guide who took this journey all the time with tourists. We trusted that he knew exactly where he was going. Many hours later, as we were struggling along in what had become a foggy wilderness, we paused for a break and guzzled down water. We were not upbeat anymore. We were not in a good mood. And our trail guide looked at us acting lost and said, do you know where we are? And he asked it as though he seriously wanted me to answer. And I was too exhausted to laugh at the joke, if indeed it was a joke. And I thought to myself, you better know where we are. That's why we hired you. So I simply said, don't ask me. You're the guide, 
and we will follow you wherever you take us. I think Ezekiel's answer to God in our text today must be something like that. The prophet doesn't love the question, I don't think, but he knows that the one who is asking the question is also the key to answering the question. So Ezekiel puts the onus back on God to determine if life can return to the bones. Oh, Lord God, you know. Thankfully, our God did know where we were, and he said, we've reached the summit. He was just playing a joke after all. And we turned one more corner, and there we were at the top, staring down into the crater of the volcano. And our enthusiasm returned in an instant. After Ezekiel's answer to God in our passage today, the prophet's vision takes a hopeful turn as well. God declares that the bones that lie before Ezekiel in the valley will take on sinew and flesh, and suddenly they do. And then God declares that breath will re-enter the newly formed corpses, and it does. And a vast multitude of people comes alive and stands on its feet. Ezekiel demonstrates for us in one remarkable sentence how to bridge the gap between the valley and the mountain, how to persevere from despair to hope. When God asks us a question, it is our honest answer back to God that opens the way for us to see God's magnificent redemption at work in our lives and in the world. Friends, let me put it plainly. If you find yourself in the valley, if you're struggling with your faith, don't disengage with God, but instead engage with God all the more authentically. Because the prayers that we make when we are in the valleys of our lives will prove to be the most sincere prayers we ever make. And if we can learn to pray in the valley, we can pray continuously. After all, the valley bombards us with all sorts of prayer-prompting questions. Somewhere in the back of our minds, a voice asks, Can these bones live? Can I find healing? Can I be made new? Can I be forgiven? Can I love again? Can I succeed? Can I be enough? Can I come back to life? Maybe it's our voice that asks it, or... Maybe it's God asking us if there is even a sliver of hope somewhere within us that God can and will breathe new life into us. Ezekiel teaches us that there need not be any pretense in our prayers to God. We don't need to worry so much about saying the right thing. We simply need to be honest with God about where we really are. Oh, Lord, you know. That's a prayer. Now, I've heard some people say that God wants us to be the answer to our prayers. And this idea certainly makes a certain amount of sense. There are some prayers that we pray that should prompt us to take action. If you pray for those in need you should also go and help those in need. That is certainly true. 
But there are other prayers, perhaps our deepest prayers, that are truly out of our own hands to answer. These are the prayers that we're powerless to answer ourselves. And we really don't know the valley and just how dead it can feel until we've prayed from a place of such powerlessness. When we pray for a loved one on their deathbed, there's nothing we can do to answer our prayer. When we pray for a loved one overseas, fighting and in harm's way, there's nothing we can do to keep them safe. We are the ones who are mortal, after all, and as Ezekiel reminds us, God is the one who is God. We are entrusted with a certain degree of agency and power, to be sure, but in the end, God is the only one who can bring life into that which is dead. Ezekiel knows this. And his response to God's question isn't Isaiah's, here I am, Lord, send me. Ezekiel doesn't raise his hand and say, I can make these bones live. But neither does Ezekiel say, no, God, these bones cannot live. They are too, dread, too dead and too dry. The prophet is hovering somewhere in the middle, neither at ease nor hopeless. He's clinging to the hope that God knows what he does not. And from Ezekiel's uncertain vantage point, from the midst of this tension between what we know to be true about God and what we see happening in the world around us, from the midst of his powerlessness and vulnerability, Ezekiel witnesses God's mighty hand at work. Can these bones live? God asks a confounded Ezekiel. But then God goes on to show the prophet just how much God can do to breathe new life into that which is passing away. God, in the end, answers God's own question with a resounding, yes, these bones can live. And God is the one who breathes new life into the valley of dry bones. And in fact, God is still doing this all the time because God wants to be known in the valley. God wants to be known in the valley. God says as much through the prophet in our text, when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, then you shall know that I am the Lord. Friends, in the end, if we can come to know God in the valleys, then we will know God all the more on the peaks and in the heights. If we can come to know God when we are surrounded by dry bones, by that which is lifeless, then we will certainly know God when flesh and sinew comes upon those bones and we are raised to new life. So may that which feels dry and dead in your life today come alive again by the gracious breath of our saving God. And as you experience the newness of life that God promises, may you know, may you know in your bones that the Lord is God. 
Thanks be to God. Amen.